you for leaving reviews and following A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine on all podcast streaming platforms, making it the number one go-to podcast for Black creative, marketing, PR, and tech professionals. Season six of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine podcast is fueled by Jet. And for our 100th episode, we're chatting with Dalen Gall, president of Jet. Huge thanks to Jet for being an inspiration to podcasters such as myself and amplifying Black voices and narratives since 1951. Well, now that we've shared a dose of Black joy with you, let's turn things up a notch on today's episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Peasy. So we are here, and um, I'm ex- I am excited to have you on the podcast. I think you already know that, but yeah. I do, I do want to go back because sometimes, like after I have conversations with people, I I don't ever leave a conversation where it's at. Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's not the type of person I am. I always say, anytime I have these podcasts, I always tell people, okay, well now we need a part two. And like I'm serious. Mm-hmm. But, um, I know that when we had our conversation, we were talking about your um like your your path or whatnot right mm-hmm. and, and um I don't want to discredit any of the work that you have put in so I just want to start there by saying like seriously really really proud and um I, I know that it, I know that you put in the work so yeah yeah I appreciate that I really appreciate that yeah absolutely so who am I talking about today well uh that's the one and only Donovan uh triplet how's it going man it's pretty good. It's going well. How how are you? I am doing great. I am doing great. And I'm doing even more uh, just like better because this is season six of the podcast. So uh, Road to 100 is, is, um, is, is on the way. But in the mm-hmm. meantime, it's great to just talk to people like you. So um, thank you so much, one and all, for listening to another episode of A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine. Now, on today's show, we have Donovan, who is the Brand Strategy Director at Whiting Kennedy, New York. Donovan has lived and worked in Florida, as well as other places around the U.S., but he's now based in New York. Um, gee, what made the pivot to so many different places through your time? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think my career uh, has, has kind of taken a winding road. I feel like I had this very... Um, specific image in my mind uh, coming out of, of school of, you know, w- you know, wanting to go to New York right away. And you kind of have that, you know, like you, you hear about that's where advertising is and you want to be there. Um, and I feel like at every turn, uh, my path just went in a different direction. I, I did the May program uh, and got selected for uh, Kansas City in Missouri. And like, especially at the time, it was like, like, yes, I, I made it, I got it. And then he's like, you got picked for Kansas City. And it's like, ah, okay, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> but it ended up being a really wonderful experience and started my career in, in Atlanta. Uh, went from, you know, spent about four, three or four years there, uh, went to Austin. And I think at each juncture, I had in my mind where I, I felt like I wanted to go. And then the, the the right opportunity ended up being somewhere else. And I think uh, now finally having made, made it to New York, uh, you know, close to 10 years down the line in my career, 
Um, for me, I actually feel like it happened at the, the perfect time. And I'm really, really happy that it didn't happen sooner. Um, because I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like those experiences, learning the craft, just living life in, in those cities outside of the bubble of New York actually was really, really helpful in uh, my own maturation, my own coming into my own without coming into sort of a caricature of a New York person. Like, I think by the time I got here, I was like, no, I'm just fully Donovan. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the discipline, in terms of strategy, so much of strategy is being able to um, understand how people's lives are are, are are unique and different and, and um, different than your own. And I think, you know, learning growing up in states like Georgia and Florida and Texas, you, you really recognize, um, you know, how how in so many ways. <laughs> different regular what regular looks like here versus what regular looks like in New York what cool looks like in Texas versus what cool looks like in New York and that you know you know I learned like people are still going to the cheesecake factory and it unironically you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying like in living in New York it's like I like like chain restaurants what are you doing like we got to go to this restaurant it's like but you grew up in a different place and like those are the special places and I think that's that's really really beautiful and so I think um, and I'm really, really proud and happy that my path took the way that it did. And so, it, you know, um, the map in your head, what does they say? God laughs when you make plans. Uh, he, he was definitely laughing my whole career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think even for you to talk about MAPE, I think that it takes a while for people to realize you've been in the industry long enough to realize that you were really, you know, um, with all due to respect, a baby starting off. And yeah. Um, how have you seen yourself mature uh, through the industry of comms, marketing, advertising, and strategy? Because, I mean, if I'm doing the math, that means that you would have, you honestly would have probably started when you were like, what, 2021? And now mm -hmm. we're talking about 10 plus years later. So when you look yeah. at that time, uh, what are some of the ways that you look back and you're just like, wow, I am still at it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, um, I, I think I think one of the big ones is when I was, First starting in planning and strategy, I think um, there was a very particular image that I found myself looking up to and, and trying to emulate. I think, um, especially when you when you know you're an intern or you're a young strategist and you're watching, you know, these uh you know, chief strategy officers or strategy directors make presentations, you get in your image of like, okay, like that's what strategy is. Like, how did they come up with that? Like that, that is what I need to get to. And and you find yourself, I think, in any craft, you you emulate the people who are doing it well around you. But I think um, the tricky part about that and growing up in advertising is that uh, depending on when you're where you're at, especially at the time I was growing up, um, all of the people around me were white. Um, you know, most most often uh, white men who were doing you know strategy. And I think um, in in some ways, obviously you're you're learning and absorbing, and like that is technically how you do it. Um, but I think for me, in terms of um, you know key points of growth, is getting to the place that I was able to recognize. Um, you know, definitely did learn and take what I what felt valuable. But those were just that version of strategy. That was just that version of of, of planning. And I think um, it was important to me to get to the point where I was finding my own way to to do my my work and my craft because the reality is that it can be done any number of ways. All it is at the end of the, the day is is um, you know communicating your thoughts effectively and meaningfully, and you can do that any number of ways. Um, and so I think for me that was that was big. Growing into my own sense of 
of, of self and movement around an agency, you know, like, you know, I came in tucking my shirt in and uh, dressing a certain way, like, oh, I got to buy this thing, you know, and I, I, I tuck my shirt in way less these days. I mean, listen, um, if you want to tuck your shirt and tuck your shirt and, you know, but that, but I mean, but I think to me that that point's a big one in the sense that uh, um, like someone, I remember this, 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 black strategy director when I was really young I used to wear earrings in the office uh like you know college I wore I wore earrings and then when it went to my work and I still wore them he was like hey man you're doing well but like you gotta like take those off you gotta look professional or whatever um and I think uh I was frustrated by it but I did it It it's like he he knows and then on reflection you know after a while it was like wait what yeah yeah like doesn't make any any sense at all well, you know, you know what what I say is that like, I mean, I know that for year yonders, we've always talked about like code switching, right? Which yeah. is one thing, but I think the other thing too is um is authentically authentically being unapologetic black, right? And mm-hmm. like your blackness. Mm-hmm. Um and and I and and um not not to talk about like like the straight and narrow of just like tucking in your shirt or doing things. Mm-hmm. But I think like just naturally being yourself and what I've seen is that that is it's 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 so it's not sustainable for like anyone right so there are some people that I realize sometimes there comes a point in their career where they're like all right yeah I can't do this I was talking with one of my boys and he was like he you know he he was like straight and narrow or whatnot like like you know he did like checked all the boxes um, and then it came a point where he was working at an agency. He was in a meeting and he was like, man, I went in with a Malcolm X shirt. Of the- <laughs> like he just. Uh, yeah. It's and, like, and it's like you get. Because you will, you will, you will actually feel yourself dying inside yeah. if you don't do that. A hundred percent. Like, cause you, you, you feel, you feel yourself just like being uh, uncomfortable or just like yeah. becoming a forced version of yourself. And you're never at your best there. But I think for me, the thing that I got to is, you know, just going back to the earring thing, the idea isn't to wear your earrings out of spite or to, you know, to wear the sweats or the sneakers out of spite. It's to wear them if you want and don't if you want. The idea isn't to untuck your shirt out of spite. It's like, if you want to tuck it in, tuck it in, I think getting to the point where you're, you're almost unconcerned with the image of, of, of like fighting for respect. Yeah. Just like, or you're just unbothered. I mean, I think Omarion, you know, really taught us that we should all be unbothered these days. So. <laughs> Omarion taught us that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, yes. 100%. Uh, and yeah, I actually, I remember um, early pandemic days, I was working at an agency in Texas. And um, I think I just woke up kind of on one, but uh, I, I ended up uh, writing um sending a slack to that to the the whole agency and like oh anytime of anytime a black person said they sent a slack <laughs> i'm like oh hell yeah i put i remember putting in the all agency channel letting them know i was going to start saying the n-word at work uh and i think but the the reason for it was though <laughs> uh, wait 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 okay 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 well, break this down break this down okay <laughs> so, so i I, I let them know I was going to start saying, but I think uh, the point wait, of it, though, honestly, wasn't. Okay, wait, go back. So you did what again? <laughs> uh, I, I woke up, I really woke up and chose violence, but I really woke up and chose myself. I I, I, I put a slack and it was like a long, a long note. Um, and, um, you know, I'd done DEI work in that particular agency already and grown a reputation for uh, being a voice and that sort of thing. So I, I created space for myself in a lot of ways to make this note. Um, but... 
uh, said that I was going to start saying it, but really what it became was an interrogation of what it means to be professional. Um, and really talking about the idea of like so many of the ideas and the, our conception of professionalism um, in so many ways are what was right for white men when sort of the, the sort of corporate America began um, in the like early part of the 1900s. And then as, as, as uh, gender broke down, then it became white women. But really so many of the conceptions of from the way you dress, from the way that you speak, from the way that you communicate are what is right and proper for white culture. Um, but, you know, if I talk about, you know, they, they, we weren't in mind, there were like no one, no one considered what black, what's comfortable for black people when they were creating the conception of professionalism in America, at least. Um, and for me, it's like, I say nigga every day, like to, to, to my friends, like to myself as I'm talking, or it's, it's just a, a natural part of my vernacular. And the idea wasn't even so much caping for the word. And when, I, even inside of the agency, when I'm with other black people, like we'll, we'll, we'll use it with each other. Just like, it's just part of, um, you know, for us, a chosen part of our, our, our cultural com communication, but in the, the creative field, you know, we're, 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 um, you know, you get the most out of your employee when they're able to be their freest, most creative self. Mm -hmm. If I'm lopping off an entire section of my vernacular, if I'm lopping off an entire section of my way of moving and being and, and, and doing that code switch, because I think for me, what I was challenging is that code switching isn't just, it, it, it is in so many ways, it is a talent to be able to go from one sort of way of operating to another. Like that's a skill. Um, but in a lot of ways, it's also shrinking. Absolutely. Right. Like you're 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 bringing less of yourself into these spaces if you're only making certain type of jokes that, you know, will land in white spaces or if you're only making certain using certain type of language. So I think, um, you know, really, it wasn't even about the word, um, but I did uh, sign it off uh, with, you know, but all that said, shout out all my niggas. Hey, what was the sign off? What was the sign off? <laughs> it, I mean, there was four. Don't, tell, don't tell me. It said, don't tell me. It said that nigga. No, I just said, I just said, like, it was a very professional, my it was a very, like, like, articulate note, and then at the end of it is, like, um, and with that being said, shout out all my niggas, and all four of us were very happy about that note, but what it did, though, was create space for those other folk to say louder a thing in their particular lives, or in their particular uh, uh, frustrations, it gave space for those arguments to be had, and so, uh, it ended up being like creating a lot of noise, but I think uh, it was it was it was helpful and for me a, a mile marker in terms of like a real signifier that when I say I'm 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 bringing my full self to work, I really mean it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, you talk about um, I think bringing your full self and so much of who we are is the makeup of uh, where we're from. Um, yeah. What impact did the men in your life have on you uh particularly your grandfather mm. yeah my my um both well so both of my grandfathers i think had a, a really um important impact on me I, I think i had the same middle name as my uh as my paternal grandfather uh tremaine that's been sort of like my middle name my father's middle name his middle name um and i think on on that side of thing i, I come from i think three generations of, of preachers uh, he's a preacher. My dad's a preacher. And my great grandfather wasn't a proper pastor, but he uh, but he preached. In, he preached. <laughs> he worked in prisons, and he was sort of the chaplain for the prison. And um, I think um, in so many ways, there were always these figures that that moved and commanded a respect when they walked into rooms. And 
um, I think in so many ways taught me to, you know, take pride in, 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 in my last name and triplet. And, um, you know, it was a, a thing to, to live up to and not in a pressure way, but just in a sort of like, we all, this is a proud thing. This is a proud family. And I think, um, taught me to be proud of myself, taught me to be confident, um, taught me to, uh, know that I deserved to, to move and, and how I wanted to, not how I wanted to move, but, um, um, that that I shouldn't shrink, I guess is a different way to put it. And I think my maternal grandfather, who I called Papa, we call Papa, I think um, he's passed now, but I think um, when I first told him, when I first told him that uh, I was I was gonna, when I, in college, you know, I was majoring in advertising. Um, the only thing that he responded with is um, just make sure you stay truthful. Mm. Um, and Wow. I think that what did he what did he face that you think made him reach that statement? I think in a similar way, I think uh, he he was one of the smartest people that I knew, um, you know, always would have just these little gems, but not even just like in a grandfather says wise things way in a like, like, oh, you might slick be a genius sort of way. Um, and I, I think for for for, for him, it, I think from my understanding of him is, is so much of his identity was coming in and speaking the truth um, and not decide he, he was in the military, worked in, he was in the Navy, he was worked as a dentist and in, in, in time when, um, you know, they wanted you to become something different and they like, yeah. you know, race relations were not good when he was going through the army and all those sorts of things. Um, and I think he uh, was a well, was super well read, um, had a ton of conviction. And I think, um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess the, the truth was just a really important thing. And I think those words really stuck with me, especially in an industry that um, kind of in so many ways can can fool you into thinking that the natural way to be and the most productive and professional way to be is to lie a little bit, mm. uh, whether it be with clients or whether it be with case studies and like, you know, well, like we can write the narrative to make it feel this way because like that'll make it feel more dramatic or maybe even with the, the stories we tell about people is that yeah. this one's more, you know is more provocative but it's like is it all the way true um and I think uh for me in my in my work um that just was you know wasn't something that I wanted to to, to fall into and I think it's been something I'm always very conscious of because it's it's super easy without you even realizing it. it's like wait that wasn't all the way the truth that I just like it, it's it's so easy yeah, definitely. I mean, from your grandfather to your dad to, mm. um, I mean, even the industry, you were a recipient. Um, if not, I think that you received the Bill Sharp Award, correct? Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah, walk us through that experience. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that was a really, really cool moment. I think, um, as I talked a little bit about earlier and just the DEI work, I think every agency that I've been at um, I've, I've, that's been an enormous piece of, of my, my work is, is, um, I, I helped to start the, um, the DEI committee at, um, at my first agency, um, at BBDO in Atlanta, um, helped to start it at the Austin agency. Uh, I think the agencies since then have been more in, in advocating on, you know, for the clients that I'm working on and just generally, and just really advocating for space for, you know, um, um, folks whose 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 voices and freedoms have have, have been constrained um, to have more of it, um, and I think especially in the work, um, really just pushing toward um, a wider imagination. I think so, a lot a lot of times DEI and representation work 
is made just purely into a moral issue where mm-hmm. it's it's just about it's the right thing to do like yes it is but it's also gets like 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 um to better work like more creative ambitious when you start to mine for stories outside of that so anyways that all has been a part of my work um at, at, at every stage of my my career and I think um I think someone just encouraged me to 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 apply um and it was was cool really really cool to to, to win and get recognized and and I think and honestly not even in the sense of of um like oh you get this this trophy um yeah. but I think I remember um I remember the day I got the news was I was just really really down um and just feeling like so much of my work just felt like it was going into a vacuum a little bit um mm-hmm. where I think so much of the stuff you feel like you're just shouting and you're like yeah. people aren't listening or if they are the, the slowness to seeing the dividends of that um and I think uh for me it was like this little sign that like uh um uh, now nah, this this stuff is this stuff is meaningful and I think sometimes you just don't see the seeds grow uh at the pace that you want but it, it, it happens yeah that's awesome and for those of you that are not familiar with you know Bill Sharp make sure you take um, a moment to uh, google as well as Definitely. read the book uh, that the Marcus Grant Project actually published a book that's on Apple. So make sure that you check that yeah, out. Yeah, How to Be Black in Advertising, yeah. Absolutely. We also have the greats of Tom Burrell uh, mm-hmm. and also John H. Johnson with Jet Ebony uh, Johnson Johnson Publishing. When you think about um, your career, are you starting to realize that you will one day become that guy? <laughs> well let, let's let's not let's not uh let's not jump the gun but uh I think I mean I, trust I, me Donovan Donovan don't got no grades yet I I'm not I'm not calling <laughs> I'm just saying like you're 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 building something here you know has it yeah, I, your I, mind I mean, at any moment I I really appreciate that I think um I think for me um my my hope and my work is is that um is that I'm able to to be a voice and to name things that gives other people courage and freedom to name their own things. Um, I think um, I think that when when that happens, I get really proud of that. But I think in the um, in a in a in a bigger way, um, I think for me, I do love I really do love advertising and I love strategy and all of that. But I think for me, um, it is a um, it is, uh, I don't want to say secondary, but for me, I see an immense amount of purpose in the 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 work I'm doing inside of this space that is is more than just um, cranking out the next ad. Like it's, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Those conversations, those presentations, those times that, you know, I'm making a deck and, and telling a brand, a giant brand that you are failing Black people and what could happen if you stopped um and I you think, hear yourself right now that's yeah. but bill sharp tom burrell and Jonathan. <laughs> i mean like what? <laughs> you're gassing you I, I mean look i mean like i like i appreciate it right and also i i know what you're doing you're being very very humble here and i i appreciate that because that's that's why i think you've made it so far in your career but the reason why i feel like it is important to acknowledge is because even when I was starting, there were there was nobody that looked like me, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And so and also too, I also don't want to put that weight on your shoulders because it's <laughs> also like another podcast for another day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I but I do think that it's I've I've I I've started to look at it more from a celebratory standpoint because yeah. 
I knew how much harder it was for me to reach. Like, you yeah. know, I wanted to do what I wanted to build as somebody that was, you know, just like fresh out of school, you got younger dude, black kid, you know, really mm -hmm. wants to do something. I saw all my, all the white boys, right. Doing whatever the hell they wanted. So yeah. they were able to do advertising and then everything else while I had to stay at the job nine to five and work in advertising. Mm -hmm. 15 years later now, Y'all mm -hmm. see a dude doing all this shit, and it yeah. like, what is he? Yeah, doing? but it's a grind. Like they, they just see it. But, you, you see, you pop, I, they see you pop out now, and but don't, don't recognize exactly. all the stuff. So yeah, so I, I think, I think it's important, and you're doing the work. So I, I yeah. just acknowledge that. No, now. I appreciate that. But I mean, it's definitely same, same with you. I feel like even like you talked about the road to 100 episodes. Like how many podcasts in the advertising space that concentrating on Black life that we do we have something that can get to 100 episodes? Like that's. That's incredible. And, and even even, you know, the folk, um, obviously, the folk that are that are listening and, and um, you know, like hearing all of the gems. Uh, and if you do listen to any of the episodes, they are full of gems all the time. But um, yeah, even for the, folk who, the first episode, yeah, <laughs> even for the folk, though, who don't. Um, even just casually seeing it on Instagram it is, I think, is meaningful. And 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 I think even if people don't fully recognize it to, for, for you to be a part of making this sort of thing normal. Um, I think is immensely, immensely helpful. I appreciate that. You know, so you've been listening to the podcast, which I appreciate. One of the things that we love to talk about on A Dose of Black Joy and Caffeine that I think brings so many people joy is vacation. What was the mm. last great vacation that you went on? Mm, I, I love I love that question. Um, I So I went to, um, I went to Rio earlier this year uh, for my best friend's birthday. Uh, it was, um, he was initially intending to do it for his 30th birthday, which was last year, but I ended up doing it this this year instead. It was about like 10 of us. We had this, um, this crazy Airbnb that was in the hills, um, kind of overlooking, overlooking Rio. And um, it was just beautiful. I think just aesthetically, obviously, but, but to be able to be at this point in our lives and, and still be connected to like, I'm like, I met like these people, um, you know, freshman year of, of college, um, you know, and for, for us to. Did you um, meet them in the black student Alliance program that you started? Uh, uh, so, so I, at my, my school is called the Black Student Union, um, yes. and and yes, I, I did. I met them. I met them at the Black Student Union. It's funny you bring that up. Yes, that's that's how so many of my closest friends were were connected, and um, and I think for what me, mean it's funny that I bring it up. We do research on this show. <laughs> <laughs> it's the number one podcast. Yeah, for Black <laughs> Marker, the PR you, yeah you you hit you hit me with the with the the deep cut insights. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> it absolutely is where I met uh it's absolutely where I met these people and um and we've been best friends for years and um I think for me obviously getting out of your bubble and going to a new culture and city and food and um sites I think all of those things are really enriching but I think for me um just being in, in intimate space with um those folk who knew me at you know 17 um always is a little bit of like a touchstone back to your center a little bit um where you kind of get like life so loud and complicated right now but i think when you're able to share space especially for you know we were there a week um it's almost just like a like a little bit of a spiritual reset of yeah. of oh no this is who i am and like yeah. this is where i come from in some ways um and it was it was really really beautiful
I love that. Yeah, that's um, that was literally the last place that I visited right before the pandemic. Um, because yeah, I went in two. I went at towards the end of two thousand and nineteen. Um, pandemic mm -hmm. yes, yeah, but roughly like twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, one of the most beautiful places that I've ever been. I stayed at the uh, Coca Cabana Palace. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, fancy. Okay. And, um, <laughs> I mean, I also too the first place I've ever gotten sunburn. I mean, you know, like mm. yeah, that's like the first place where I'm like that. that black folk burn. You got to get that. Yeah, fast. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's take away that myth. But I think you bring up something so amazing because I think that there is so much culture there and so much history. Like yeah. Oh my goodness, I wasn't there uh, long enough, but I know. Um, yeah, I flew because. We flew, I flew into, um, is it Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo or something? Sao Paulo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. and then went to Brazil. Man, I had a good time though, but yes, there's so mm -hmm. much culture there. And then, you know, speaking of culture, um, I've been reading um, For the Culture by Dr. Marcus Collins. Yeah. And one of the things that he really talks about in his book regarding travel and culture is that when you first get to a location, he loves getting into a taxi or the Uber or wherever, or wherever he is at. And really asking people like, hey, what's the what's the dating life here and things of that nature, like really hmm. asking those questions to like crystallize things. And I thought that was so fascinating. He hmm. even mentions in the book how um, he mentions in the book how he um, was married at one time, but that's his go to question. So they're probably looking at him like this guy has his ring on his finger asking. About <laughs> yeah. like, uh, What's going on here? Yeah, like what's going on? But such a fascinating book. Um, so shout out to Marcus. But to that, yeah. point, if you had to give a dose of anything to the culture and for the culture that you feel like the culture is lacking, what would you like to give the culture a dose of? Yeah, I mean. I think the thing that's been on my mind that I would love to be able to give out lately is is just peace. Um, I think um, for good reason. I think there's so or so many ang ang so much anxiousness and and um, in some cases frustration and anger. In some cases, um, you know, um, exhaustion and all these things that I think um, interrupt our full fullest selves. Um, and I think uh, you know pieces is is different than rest you know what i'm saying it's different than energy you can take drink some coffee um for for energy but i think um i think peace is just like a um i don't know it feels more elusive these days uh and i think if i could give that out i definitely would i love that man trust me everybody could take that i mean i feel like so much of what you described is people really not allowing themselves that much time uh, post the last three years that we've been just enduring, whether that's social justice, whether that's yeah. change, whether yeah. it is due to um, financial crisis, you know, so many different things. But the way that I always love to zone out is through music. So mm -hmm. I have a question for you. I want to get your thoughts on this. All right, sure. You were on Mars and you had to have three only three artists in the entire right. discography from those three artists you're only allowed three black artists which three artists would you select <laughs> oh man um i think drake off top i oh. feel like uh it, it it's it's cliche for a reason you know the the discography we're talking whole discography you can get a lot of moods and energies and and you know sonic palettes all all those things um yeah. From young Ar Aubrey, uh, so I feel like I gotta, I gotta <laughs> have him, I gotta have him in there. Drake, um, 
Drake is, I don't think people realize like Drake is a comedian. Like I <laughs> he's just like he oh, is. He's man. he's uh one of the great greatest performers of our time, just in like a life performance sort of way. <laughs> like like what he's done to captions, what he's done to, yeah. to braid culture. <laughs> like he's he's uh he's hilarious. Um but yeah, I would say I would say Drake off top. Um I think Stevie for me. Yeah, um, yeah, Stevie's music has has been for me a a, a really a, I feel like I always uh, like you 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 grow up kind of you know in the backseat of your your parents' car or you know in grocery stores you you hear his music, um, but I think uh, I can't remember at some point in my twenties when I really for my fell in love with the, his music for myself uh, like and really you know dived into catalogs and albums and. Um, his stuff's just bursting with so much, and I think uh, if I'm if I'm you know alone in Mars, I think Stevie's got something to say from, say to me. He's got a word of encouragement. He's got uh, music for frustration. Like I think like I think Steve, like people paint Stevie as is um, very like either happy go lucky or like his, his he's got some he's got some other types of emotions in his music. Yes, yeah, Stevie Wonder is definitely up there with like Mozart. <laughs> for sure i mean i think and know, i'm like no no cap like yeah. <laughs> you think about what mozart did for like music in general stevie wonder set such a foundation just like of a new wave like so many artists like that he birthed it's crazy mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. i think he won like so many albums in the year of the year in a row that he didn't release an album one year and whoever won was like thank you stevie for not releasing something this year <laughs> so i can win um, like people don't 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 you can never talk down on Stevie's name in my in my oh. presence. Um, and so I and I think third, um, it's it's tricky. If a few come to mind, Janet comes up. Uh, okay, Beyonce comes up. But I think yeah, we got to uh, get some women in there, man. Yeah, I I think both. Like I I I think uh, I'm in love with all of Janet's catalog. Like if I'm by myself, I feel like Beyonce's got something to like lift my spirits. Um, but if I'm gonna keep it just 100, percent I think my last slot though I would have to go to Cole. Uh, Whoa, I think, okay. I think um, I think for for a few reasons. One, he's 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 um, consistently been in so many ways probably my favorite artist. But I think uh, because because I fell in love with his music when life wasn't so noisy and complicated, I feel like now listening to his stuff, it just, it just, and it's so, like brings me back to like a pureness mm -hmm. um, that- I also I used to like the, uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know anybody's personal life, but I think the friendship between him and Wale, I found mm. like mm -hmm. fascinating because I could yeah. hear the music. Yeah, 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 yeah. They made songs, uh, like he he made a song like about Wale and uh, or verse in a song about Wale and it's beautiful, but- uh, and now I think if we're talking, you know, rappers, I think out of, you know, the big three of Hendrick and Kendrick, I'm most interested in what Cole's going to do next. I feel mm -hmm. like he's, to me, he's the only one who's getting significantly better, almost like it feels like as the years go by, which is crazy. He's like 38 or something like that. Yeah, um, so, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Stevie, Drake, and, and and Cole. Okay, listen, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, so let's talk about the brands that you've worked on. I mean, Sprite, Vitamin Water, the Brooklyn Nets, Lyft, Kraft. Is that Kraft macaroni and cheese? <laughs> yeah, Kraft Heinz. I yeah, I worked on a few brands in their portfolio. Adidas, Bloomberg, 
I'll never forget my mom putting craft in my lunchbox. And I don't know, I guess she just assumed <laughs> like, oh yeah, he's going to figure it out. But I realized the confidence that she had in me by putting that craft in there, because you had mm-hmm. to microwave that mm-hmm. like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there, so like I'm you like, got <laughs> at lunchtime, I'm taking that out, having to go up to the adults can say, hey, yeah. a little adult, you know, with my glasses, can you microwave my macro? <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm like, shout out to mom now. Shout like, out mom. She put the she confidence in you. Um, but, you know, through those different brands, I could imagine that audience uh, building as well as identifying new audiences is something that everybody, you know, is looking towards. Um, yeah. Really, even uh, today when it comes to reaching Gen Z, what is the best way to reach a new audience for a brand that is currently talking to one audience or has talked to one audience yeah. for so long? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think right now, you know, what what when when you're talking about a brand wanting to reach a new audience, what that most often means these days is is younger and more diverse. Um, I think there, you know, are still, you know, 2023, so many brands who have never meaningfully spoken to people of color. Like it's like they like they've only thought of their target as what they've called general market, but their work, if you look at their work. Um, has always, you know, uh, appealed more to white culture. Um, and so I think, um, to me, those two are the, the ones that um, um, uh, come up the most. I think with, with you know, younger culture to be hot and relevant, you always got to make sure that young people are, are, are into you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think for me, and, and same with communities of color, um, you know, getting beyond the caricature is, um, to me, yeah. the most most important thing. It's so easy to, uh, yeah, like the young people are into this, and 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 like, okay, we like they like that. We got to do that. They like to dance. We got to make a commercial with dancing in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> y'all, it, it, y'all might not have seen everybody dance. Let me dad. tell you something. Once people started, <laughs> once once they started getting the white kids in the commercial to like double, yeah, that, that's yeah, like, okay, it's a problem now because they yeah, uh, all doing all of that. Um, yeah. It was up there with Gabby Douglas, uh, Dougie. Yeah, and and I think like, it, but it's a, it's a good example of of um, you know, you learn the behavior, but not the meaning of it. Yeah. And not the you know cultural significance and the contextualized significance of, of a particular thing. And so um, I think um, to me in attracting, I think a, a lot of brands and a lot of you know uh, work, um, you know, just seems like it's just trying to hold up a mirror. Is like we're gonna show you that we're doing the same things as you. But I think what is 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 more meaningful. Um, even in, you think about our interpersonal lives, um, you go you, you know you go on a date you uh, are at a cocktail party, you know, you're not necessarily attracted to the person who just mimics your behavior. Like, like they just start laughing at the same things you laugh. They sell, they, 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 they cater their jokes to what you, the joke you just gave um, is like you, it, it, you can sense that it doesn't feel real. I think what's more impactful is, is demonstrating you understand them, that you've actually listened yeah. to what, and it's not just about emulating, but it's about connecting with something that you find really, really meaningful. And, I, um, and I, you bring up a good point, like finding something meaningful and also to just allowing that person to do the thing, like just to mm-hmm. do, like to exist how they are, where they come yeah. from. Um, I'll never forget, I was working under a, a, a brand, a Fortune 500 brand, it's a really, really big brand at that, but there was so much conversation about one of the creators who was Black, he was Black, and um, he had wrote a, he did a rap 
for the brand for the song mm. and they wanted to utilize him and I mean a part of me is like on the fence with that you know sometimes because we are often seen rapping yeah legitimately is a rapper like he is a hip hop mm. star and that went viral so there were so many damn meetings about this and mm. I'm just like, let's just post it like just get it yeah. out like yeah we're doing him a service and I, I kind of feel like the more that we uh, the more that we create and just exist and the more that people like we we have to be aware super aware sometimes i think we're too aware to be honest <laughs> like mm. where it like it backtracks think about yeah. awareness with freaking uh Halle Bailey and her blackness and now it's like that movie mm. one movie in the country the little mermaid yeah. it's just her in a character doing her job like that is mm -hmm. it, you know <laughs> so um i think it brings up a good bigger point of I, I think that there's been progress with like awareness with so many different things, but sometimes I think it, it could really, uh, it could really harm the work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, like to, to everything of what you're saying is, is I think there, that some, whenever you try to do something different or meaningful to a group, then like it, it you get all of these questions and, and second guessing and all of these things like are surrounding it and stopping you from actually just doing the thing. Um, and I think, especially when it comes to, um brands connecting with a quote-unquote new audience but just like you know, communities of color um I think um who are so easy to characterize and uh, to, to make into a caricature or to stereotype um yeah. I think to me so like advertising is at its best when it avoids the cliches and it's it it shows you something surprising that you didn't wouldn't you didn't all the way know or wouldn't have hadn't thought about hadn't considered something that is is feels new and interesting and you know, if you're trying to make that work in advertising, I mean, where else would you look except for communities besides communities of color? Like, like we've we've seen so much of white culture, like we've seen it so like all the experiences yeah. inside of it, um, and, and even like further than that, all of the you know we've seen women, but we've seen work around white women, we've seen queer work, but work that is like specifically like queer identity inside of white culture, and I think um, there's so much texture and nuance and 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 newness inside of um inside of communities of color that I think um is just a, a, a such an untapped um treasure trove and we're seeing that in film start to bubble up oh sorry go ahead no I was gonna say I, I mean I think like to that point like you say that we've seen so much of it which I think that we have but I wanted to ask you a question do you feel like that work is allowed to fail mm. uh certainly not at the same rate as 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 white work I think um I think if 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 you know a brand takes a risk and does something, it not only makes their executive and in and, and something happens, there's backlash, which you know happens a lot when you're not when you're you're not minding nuances. Um, you know, then not only is that company a little bit more uh shell shock, all of the other brands are looking toward that thing and it's like, ah, like like maybe we 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 be, you know, uh they act more cautious or whatever. And for me, I feel like um it's better to be careful than it is to be you know super scared like like just be like mind the nuance like be careful with it for sure um but we can't just operate from a place of fear when it comes to doing something that me is meaningful for such a large portion of the population absolutely and also to moving that population forward moving yeah. that community forward so yeah you bring up a, a great point my friend mm -hmm. oh, man. Uh, so final question before you get out of here are you tired? <laughs> oh man. Uh you <laughs> uh 
Yes, uh, yes, I am. Um, very uh, man. Oh, you, uh, you, <laughs> yes. Um, I, I, I am, but I think um, I am. Um, know that the, I think the work and the toil and frustration that I have uh, is meaningful. And I think when I say tired, uh, it's not so much about a rest thing, but I've spent 10 years in advertising with um, every brand that I've worked on, every agency that I've been at, every um, you know week it seems like there's full of small and big battles uh, and trying to, um, trying to get the people around me to widen their imagination, to include more of us, but also to stop harming more of us. Uh, and- so to that point though, what is the, then what do you feel like is the role and responsibility of a brand in that? I think it's two parts. I think the there's the brand and then there's the folk in the agency. I think, um, I think on the brand side, role and responsibility is to, um, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, do no harm. But um, I think there, it, to me, I see it as an ethical responsibility for brands to communicate more effectively with um, more people, including more people of color, including more women, including more gender identities, all those sort of things. Um, uh, because I think on that side of things, I look at, we, we talk about advertising as art, as commercial art, right? Um, and um, I think in so many ways, um, you know, the, the people are always dismissive of advertising saying like, we're not curing cancer, that type of thing. But to me, there is a, a, a value to making an ad that makes a person chuckle, right? Mm -hmm. Like like that little laugh, or there is a value in making it like a person feel a deep emotion and feel um, surprised and all, like all of these are are, are small, but, but meaningful in sort of the day-to-day I think the average person, I think there's, uh, I, 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 I will get the stat wrong, but I think I once saw that the average person laughs like, um, you know, uh, 35 times a day or something, something strange like that. But if you consider advertising and if our, our work, so much of it is built to make white people laugh and no one else, or to make other people laugh far less than they make white people laugh, then we're not giving out enough doses of that to, to use the podcast, enough dos doses of joy to communities of color. Uh, and what happens when that's stacked up year over year? Um, and so I think on the brand side, I think there's an ethical responsibility to make work that um, gives out those doses of whatever emotion you're trying to give out equally. Um, but then on the agency side with leaders and, and folk, um, workers, not even just leaders, like, like account people, creatives, strategists, all of them, um, I think you have a responsibility to your coworkers who um, have experienced years and years of these small cuts of like things that get said out loud that no one names and you have to just eat that or um, times when um, leaders mishandle like treat uh, like an identity project where you're fighting for black people or you're fighting for women or you're fighting for, for you're fighting for black women or you're fighting for black whatever um, and you know like well I don't I don't get it so it's not like and that's a that's a that's a, a soul cut like that's yeah. not an e like I think when you you show work that um, you know people don't like it that's just an ego cut where it's like ah like I thought it was good but when when your your work or your your voice is in defense of 
your identity. Like that's that's a different type of cut. And I think advertising is full of them. Um, and after so many years for you, for 15 plus years, me, 10 plus years, I think um, they add up to being tired. Yeah. Um, and so I think, uh, my, I, I, my, um, you know, I am naturally happy, but when I have had it, I also have this smile on my face. Cause I realized mm-hmm. yeah. this and I'm thinking I'm getting the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I don't want that to happen to you, you know, and I don't think it would, and I'm not saying anything, but I think it's a very valid question, obviously for this audience, for this community that listens to this podcast, because, um, you are a, you are a genius. I do consider you to be a genius, uh, and I think the work that you do, the thoughtfulness that you do, and um, I feel like it's not talked about enough. Like the responsibility that brands should really have with agency partners, you know, in um, making sure that they are approaching things a little differently, um, because then they're also getting the best work out of that agency. So mm-hmm. I, I think you know, my years of working 10 years in the um, advertising industry and now eight in tech, um, it has really like opened up my eyes to like everything. Um, 10 years, mm-hmm. including like internships. I was at Tracy Locke and when I was in Texas at the Richards mm-hmm. Group, geez, the Richards Group in itself. I mean, I survived that, but <laughs> you know, I yeah. think it is important. Donovan, any last words before you uh, head off of the podcast? Oh man, Um I think uh, I think just I would say for the folk who are doing the similar type of work or the same type of work um, where you are finding yourself as the person that's speaking up in rooms, you're finding yourself as the person who is um, constantly putting those few slides in the deck to try to advocate for a wider imagination that includes more people um, and not just get to the same white work or not just get to the same meeting that leaves the black people frustrated or, and everyone else is like, oh, like, it's cool. I didn't think anything happened. If you, if you are that person, um, I think if you're, you're probably like me in the sense that you don't always see, um, the, the, the dividends of the seeds that you plant. Um, but I think they, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly reminded and having to remind myself that they do grow, um, and maybe they aren't for you. Uh, maybe it's not for you to see. Uh, but it's for the next person who overheard you, who maybe didn't hit you up after, but it meant something to them. And so I would just say um, to 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 remember that that it that, that, that all the work goes somewhere, um, and uh, and yeah, find that piece of peace. <laughs> I love that. Well, with that being said, thank you for joining the podcast, and thank you all to my listeners for joining another episode. Please stay safe. Drink a ton of water. And remember, <laughs> you, my friend, deserve a dose of black joy and caffeine. Until next time, I'm a do.